Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. We're talking action movies today, so of course we are joined by Daniel Lima. Daniel, thanks for being here. It's a pleasure to be here. So we're going to talk about a lot of movies on today's episode. We're going to talk about two movies that uh, were written, one of which was directed by Taylor Sheridan, a filmmaker I really like and Daniel has more complicated feelings about, those being Without Remorse, starring Michael B. Jordan, and Those Who Wish Me Dead, which is uh, Sheridan's directorial follow-up to 2017's Wind River. And then we'll talk about Wrath of Man, directed by Guy Ritchie and starring Jason Statham. Uh, but first, we're going to talk about Without Remorse, uh, which is the newest film. Uh, it was originally produced by Paramount, then sold to Amazon. But it stars Michael B. Jordan as John Kelly, a, uh, a U.S. Navy SEAL. And it's kind of adapted from uh, the Tom Clancy novel, Without Remorse. And it stars uh again michael b jordan as john kelly who's a navy seal who is uh kind of in a on a mission in syria to do what they think is you know kind of rescue a cia officer who's been taken hostage by like uh, an an assad affiliated group or something and uh then it turns out they're actually end up battling against a bunch of a bunch of russian military and not assad and that upsets John Kelly, who's kind of been uh, kind of been left out in the cold as to the true nature of this mission by uh, Jamie Bell's Robert Ritter, who is just another CIA operative that's kind of just involved in everything in this movie, even though he's just CIA, he's involved in all the military operations. Uh, a few months later, a, a lot of the other members of the SEAL team that were on this mission with Kelly were murdered, and they attempt to take Kelly out, but they just end up killing his wife. And he kills all but one of the op- one of the guys that has been sent to his house, and he ends up going on a mission to uh, get revenge on those who went after his family. And he's assisted in doing so by a uh, a lieutenant played by Jody Turner Smith named Karen Greer. And Guy Pierce also gets involved as the Secretary of Defense. And yeah, then it's just a it's a mission into uh, some dangerous territory in Russia to try and just get revenge on those who have wronged him. Uh, this was again. This was written by Taylor Sheridan, uh, directed by Stefano Salima. These two teamed up on Sicario Two uh, back in 2018, a movie that I didn't really like, and it's really the only thing that Taylor Sheridan's been involved in that Daniel likes. So we kind of came at this from different points of view, but we also came at it from different points of view because Daniel is much, much more familiar with the uh, Tom Clancy's uh, source material of all kinds than I am. Whereas I've seen a couple of the movies that have been adopted adapted from his books, and that's about it. So Daniel, I, I guess. I'll start by saying I like this a lot more than I thought. It got pretty bad reviews, actually, and so I, I set my expectations pretty low. And aside from the reviews, I think part of that was that I probably unfairly judged Tom Clancy a little bit. I think I just when I kind of heard what I'd heard about it, I maybe saw a trailer and just kind of anecdotally what I felt thought I knew about Tom Clancy stuff, I just thought it was like a bunch of rah-rah military stuff. And maybe it's not going to be my thing. And maybe I'd assumed a few things about him and not knowing that this was actually going to be a movie that maybe uh, didn't portray the the U.S. government in the most favorable light, which is, you know, a little more appealing to me and more compelling. So I guess when when you when you see, oh, there's going to be a Tom Clancy adaptation, what are you hoping to get out of that, given your prior experiences with his work? Well, I should clarify that even though I have like, you know, a sort of experience, I'm not I'm not quite like in it i haven't read all the net force books you've, you've read you've read some of them and you've seen some of the movies yes though. yes yes I've more, more than i can read, say of course i've read and seen the hunt for red october uh i think i might have read clear and present danger i actually just finished watching that before we started recording i have seen the jack ryan shadow recruit some of all fears i watched the the amazon show i with, have that uh, amazon show on my watch list for like the last year it's just been sitting on my ipad and i just haven't gotten you to know it. what no rush 
No Rush. Okay. Um, <laughs> That's the one that stars John Krasinski as Jack Ryan, but uh, correct. And then, correct. but uh, Daniel was just uh, watching. And of course, I played the games and such, and I've yeah. read like Rainbow Six and some of All Fears, so I, I, I'm I'm somewhat well versed in you know what to expect. And what I expect is actually. It's funny to me that you said that you expected a Rara military thing and that's not what you got because that's exactly what I expected. And that's what I felt like I got. Really? Um, yeah. Like, here's the thing. His form of jingoism, it's not necessarily pro-government. It's very much a sort of, I, I struggle to say libertarian, but maybe a neoconservative point of view where they're disdainful of the politicians and the big government and this and that but they loved the troops oh god how we love the troops right uh, the troops can do no wrong the troops they know what's up the security services they're the defenders of american values and freedom which is all great american values are never uh are never in america itself as an ideal is never in the wrong the issue is the men that we put in charge we need the right men men of action men who are willing to do what needs to be done uh take for, take for example like the best example i could think of is uh the rainbow six book where the villains the who are gonna unleash a plague on the entire world are uh are environmentalists hmm. uh and the book ends with the military people like stranding them in the jungle with no way to live um this is kind of the mindset of a Tom Clancy work and I felt that this is actually what I was expecting going into without remorse um, and this is actually where I was somewhat excited to see the uh, return of this collaboration between Stefano Salima and uh, Taylor Sheridan so why like I mean because you're saying you you came in maybe <laughs> expecting something uh, a little more rah-rah and maybe our reads on it were slightly different though i don't disagree with what you're saying about the troops but i, I don't want to say you came into this you came into this curious about it you're not not assuming it was going to be great or anything like that but you're still curious to see it and see what it was like so what do you what what, what is the best case scenario in your head then for what you would hopefully get from it because like, you don't necessarily strike me as someone that is excited to go see a celebration of the troops necessarily well, let's just call it a bit of a guilty pleasure. Okay. <laughs> I, in a way, do like the, you know, it, it's like when you watch an old Western for me, and there's this black and white, um, this is the hero, this is the villain, and I do know that it's all crap. I, I don't really buy into, like, the lionization of the America's troops and all. I mean, I know people in the military. I was there, you know, like, there's, some people are good and some people are bad, and you know, not all troops, not all troops is what I'm saying, but I don't I never like the lionization of the, the troops and the military, the security forces, certainly not the CIA. We're, we're, we're for the security forces if they're uh, protecting a, a truck of cash, though, correct? We'll get to that <laughs> later. We'll get to that later. But yes, of course. But um, yeah, but that being said, this is a bit of a guilty pleasure for me. I'm an action fan. I like a simple like these are the big rough men going out to do their thing you don't really get that mindset these days i feel in certainly not not in a studio big studio production um and that's why i was a little excited to see this being tackled by salima and sheridan um their previous as you've said i'm not a fan of taylor sheridan uh i think that he's a bit of a hack i think that i mean he's a guy he makes the, I've described it as he writes and directs the kind of movies that you'd expect the guy who played a cop on a Kurt Sutter show to make, um, which is to say 
they're meatheaded. They're very, they're very dumb. They're very appealing to like that, you know, they appeal to the same sort of demographic as a, uh, as a Tom Clancy work, but where else Tom Clancy gets, you know, disrespected. And I believe rightfully so. Um, Taylor Sheridan is celebrated. And I think a lot of that is an emperor's with no clothes situation. Um, I watched Sicario, right? And whereas everybody else saw this, you know, I don't know, subversive take on like the drug war and like the meat-headed machoism of American foreign policy, I watched it and I thought that this was the same sort of dumb bullshit that you'd get in any sort of 80s action movie starring Arnold Schwarzenegger. The only difference being that it's classed up by the lens of uh, Villeneuve and uh, Deacons. Oh, yeah. And Deacons. So, um, but like, you know, people would make these sorts of concessions for that movie that I find kind of ridiculous. Like when people would say like, oh, the reason why Emily Blunt's character is sidelined is to show how women are sidelined in this sort of world of, you know, and I'm like, no, 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 no. He just doesn't know how to write women. He just doesn't. Taylor Sheridan can't write women. And if it weren't for the fact that this looked so good and looked prestigious, I don't think that people would give him that concession. If this was directed by Scott Jesse V. Johnson or it was a Scott Atkins movie, people wouldn't be making that concession. Uh, and I think this follows through. Well, Sicario, and I, I guess I guess what you would say then is Sicario 2 didn't really have any of those pretensions, right? And that's probably why exactly. you liked it. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So you get to Hell or High Water, Wind River, and I feel the exact same way about these movies. But then when I saw Sicario 2, which is directed by and an Italian man who has been accused of being overtly fascist in his past movies, from what I've read. I did not know that. Uh, including in one movie. One movie he made in, I think, 2011 was called All Cops Are Bastards. And that was accused of being fascist. I have no idea of the content of that movie. I haven't seen it. I haven't read any reviews. or I don't know the plot. All I know is that it was called fascist. So clearly the man has a bit of a... at least he's perceived as having a bit of an ideological streak leaning to the right um and with sicario 2 it was exactly that dumb ugly movie that i feel that i saw when i watched sicario 1 just not classed up and because of that it it it's hard i guess in a way it's harder for me to take it seriously is what it is and so i can enjoy it more on that sort of visceral action gritty violent you know, uh, controlled violence level. I like the choreography. I like the the, the attitude and the uh, sensibility within the context of this very deeply <laughs> awful movie. You know what I mean? And so when I saw these two were tackling a Tom Clancy movie, I was like, oh, this is a, a match made in heaven. They're going to, you know, it's going to be well directed, but without any pretensions of, oh, this is going to be... Uh, a subversive take on this really stupid material. Um, and you know what? That's what I got. And I really liked it. <laughs> I really liked it. Oh, man. I don't, I, I don't know if I liked it as much as you did, probably, but I think my expectations were just, like, really low. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I actually heard, I've heard a couple, I've listened to a couple things where they criticize Michael B. Jordan's performance, and he's an actor I really, really love. And my thing is, like, yeah, he's not going to be as charismatic as he maybe is in like Creed or Black Panther or whatever because, you know, this guy is just like so like I mean, I get I I guess in Black Panther that guy's on a mission, but he's charismatic in a different way and I guess he also is avenging a death, but it's like I don't know, he, he 
it's just he's he's not as much of he's more of an automaton in this, but I'm fine with that. And I, I I totally get it when your wife and child are killed. You're you're going to be pretty no frills about everything. And I th- I thought he he they did feel like that scene where he takes out the Russian diplomat in the car. That did feel like it was almost like a different guy than you get the rest of the movie. Uh, for whatever reason, though I kind of enjoyed watching him do that. Uh, so I I, I I liked what I got out of his performance. Though I don't even know if I really loved the action as much up until the last sequence, uh, or not the last last sequence. I, I mean the sequence in Russia, um, mm-hmm. in that apartment building. I thought all of that was well done. I don't even know if I really loved any of the action besides that. I found that first scene very hard to follow. Um, it just very dark and hard to really see what was going on and really appreciate much of the action. And the well, actually, I liked. I, I mean, it was well done. I guess it was fairly well done when his house got invaded. But I'm thinking of the bigger set pieces. I I, I kind of found the thing where he like dove in and rescued the stuff in the plane kind of hard to follow too. It was just dark, and I I I, I just I, I have a hard time like really getting into action when it's like that hard to see. And all that being said, despite like not being super into the action, and also like again there being maybe somewhat of a a ceiling on a movie like this, I I was still like I was still th- sufficiently entertained throughout, and not like nothing was like distractingly bad or anything like that that ever took me out of the movie. So I, I came in with fairly low expectations, and it somewhat exceeded them, and I'm I, I'm happy about that. And who knows if I'd seen it in a theater, I probably would have liked it even more. So um, yeah, I, I understand what you're saying. Um, certainly on the. The fact that a lot of the action is cast in darkness and it's a little tough. It's to like it's the exact opposite of what we were talking about a few weeks ago when we were talking about wait what what was the last action movie? Oh, we talked about nobody Mortal, and nobody, uh, or I guess Mortal Kombat. Oh yeah, we, uh, the the last one we talked about one on one was nobody. I mean Mortal Kombat was. Uh, I mean, uh, you were more discerning about that than I was, but nobody. We were like, wow, like this is all shot and like well lit, and we can appreciate everything that's going on with all this hand to hand combat. And that was not mm-hmm. without remorse. But like I was still in there with I, I still I still was into it enough throughout even in spite of that if if it was just like I, yeah I believe that the action personally I find that the action was you know competent uh you know there's not I think more important for me than action cast in darkness truthfully is how it's edited and you know this movie it took its cues it, it, you know it, from like you know that John Wick style of action that's permeated studio filmmaking although not as much as I'd like to see where you know everything is clear. Uh, you know the shots. I oh, mean, you know. Um, sorry, you know, can, I, can I can I interrupt you one more second? Because I feel like I I was too hard on it. That prison scene was pretty cool too. I gotta say. And that prison fight. Yeah, that's yeah. A, that was a brilliant sequence. Um, and yeah, like I do think that a lot of the action was you know actually like they got their fundamentals down. It's never gonna be like a scene that I'm like you know if I'm on YouTube and I've got nothing to do, I'm not gonna type in. Maybe I'll type in that prison fight. But um, I'm not going to generally type in any of the shootouts. They're just really competent. In fact, I just rewatched. I, I mean, rewatched. I just watched Clear and Present Danger, the Tom Clancy movie from the '90s with uh, Harrison Ford as Jack Ryan, and I found that a lot of the action I found, you know, not quite as good as the stuff found in Without Remorse. Although Without Remorse owes more to like that '90s style of action than like, for example, like Taken, which I appreciate. Stuff is clear. A lot of it is shootouts, so it's a lot of person holds gun, you get a shot of them firing the gun, you get the reaction shot, and then back and forth and back and forth. Um, so it's not personally like what I find the most appealing when I'm looking for like an action movie, but it's serviceable. Um, Let me ask you, because you said you watched Clear and Present Danger, and I wish I had had time to go do it, and 
just because I, I I would feel a little more informed. But I was kind of as I was listening to uh, these, this podcast earlier, where they were fairly critical of Michael B. Jordan, I was like, well. Yeah, but again, I get where this character is coming from. I don't blame him for not being anything other than just like a man on a mission. But what did you think of Harrison Ford in that movie? Uh, and is, was he giving a more charismatic movie star performance than Michael B. Jordan was here? Or were you not getting any more out of that? And do you think as a lead of this Tom Clancy adaptation, Michael B. Jordan is just as suitable? Personally, I found that the Harrison Ford performance was kind of dull. Okay. Uh, you know, not quite him sleepwalking through stuff as he does today, but you know, you know, it wasn't very dynamic. I will point out though that these two characters are somewhat different in that Jack Ryan is supposed to be at least um, like a like a suit. He's supposed to be like a CIA operative. Like he started off as an analyst and then ended up in all these adventures. Not a shoulder. Whereas, yeah. Whereas um, John Kelly, or aka John Clark, if you <laughs> read books, but. Um, John Clark is a man of action. He was a Navy SEAL, you know, who then goes and he forms this commando squad rainbow and this and that. So it makes a it makes sense for him to be playing uh, Michael B. Jordan. I mean, to be say it makes sense for him to be playing John Kelly, John Clark as, you know, kind of just simple man on a mission. It also lends itself to what this movie is as written. Apparently, and this is one of the reasons why I think this is one of the best things that has that uh, Taylor Sheridan has ever touched is that you know he had a good foundation to build off of this script was apparently written in the 90s and he was just hired for a rewrite a couple years back um so you know this does in many ways what's it called conform to like how I what I expect from like a 90s sort of adaptation of one of these movies lots of you know oh X organization is up to this. Then we have to go to this location. And then after that, we got to go to this location. Um, the best change uh, or the best difference between something like Without Remorse and Clear and Present Danger is that Clear and Present Danger was almost two and a half hours, whereas Without Remorse is barely an hour 40. Yeah, I almost forgot uh, about I almost forgot about the um, that prison fight till later on. But even with that, it just doesn't. It almost it almost felt like a ninety minute movie, which I think is a compliment, uh, I guess. But it, it was is like, absolutely a compliment. Yeah. But it, but it was like when it ended, I was like, that didn't feel like a lot happened. But I mean, like again, how's that any different from most action movies that have like four big set pieces and some stuff in between? But it was just like yeah. it just it, you know the the mission the big mission itself is probably I guess in a, in a way like but it's just like they get over there after they get through the plane crash and once they're finally at the place where they're going to do their mission that happens in like like maybe like 20 to 25 minutes and then the movie's just basically over after that there's like uh, a, a quick um epilogue in washington dc essentially and that's it and i was like huh okay uh we're already done and they're obviously very much trying to set up a sequel so it's not like that's the end of things i don't know if that's actually going to happen mm. um but you know i hope it does oh man i want to see ding chavez i want to i'm sorry i want them to fight some environmentalists i know they're not going to do that All and right, if well, they do It'll be awful. Yeah, we'll, but, we'll, we'll go we'll go into spoiler territory right here, right quick, because I don't know if we have that much more to say on it. But I want to at least ask you about the end and what it kind of says about what the movie's message is. So if you you're worried about getting this movie spoiled for you, just go watch on Amazon Prime. It's easy avail- easily available. But anyway, the uh, the guy Pierce character comes back into it at the end, and we learn that that this has been a 
big conspiracy by the uh, by the U.S. government to like help start a war with Russia and spur our economy on. And I guess that's where my head was when you know I didn't even think that like they already weren't portraying some of the higher ups in the best light, even if again it's positive on the troops. Uh, but before that, because what kind of what spurs John into action and to take matters into his own hands before he gets kind of redeputized is that they're just not going to investigate the death because it would just be too much trouble. And the death of his wife and his team members because it would be too much trouble. Like, wow, the, the government already kind of sucks to me right now. Uh, and then it's like it turns into a whole conspiracy by them at the end. So I don't know. What, what did you think? I mean, maybe that's part of like some of the Tom Clancy canon and that maybe there's going to be bad actors in the government ultimately. And that's just kind of part of it. But it, to me, it was like, oh, I mean, maybe a lot, a lot of the people who I, I guess in my head, I was thinking a lot of the people who do, do blindly support the troops are also going to blindly support the people that you know use the troops for their own ill-gotten means and uh and here it's like it's, it's at least making it clear that like look the the u.s government's not you know it's it's not beyond reproach and it's probably pretty bad and i always gave it some credit for going there instead of just like making the bad guy in the movie just only be the russians and we kill the russians and it's done and i would have been like okay like i didn't really i i that's it's whatever i did not feel like i got anything all that unique out of that from a storytelling perspective and this at least felt like it was trying to do something a little different even if it's very very tacked on yeah well it is a common thread honestly it's a common thread in a lot of tom clancy works and in many ways i mean i would personally argue that um this sort of pump fake towards wokeness where Oh, yeah, of course the government's full of bad actors, but hey, those goddamn troops, man, we need to get them to run stuff. We need to, they know what they're doing. That's the kind of thing I would expect from a Taylor Sheridan movie, anyways. So, um, you know, it kind of fits in, but, you know, like I said, this is a, you know, this is kind of, this kind of material is sort of my guilty pleasure. And um, it, it does offer a little bit more nuance than just a straight up. America is the best and always is and always will be. Um, and and, and, I and again, think- I wasn't giving Taylor Sheridan all the credit for that myself. I just was like me. I, I again, I acknowledge earlier. I might have just come into this kind of thinking all Tom Clancy stuff was one way when maybe it's not. Yeah, I mean, this is a it is a very common thread. Actually, this comes up like this is pretty much the last like four minutes of. Um, clear and present danger also uh you know mild spoiler there i suppose but i mean you'll see it coming um (laughs) so yes uh generally speaking though i do quite like this movie i think that it's a solid adaptation it's a it's a faithful adaptation of his work uh for all that means good and bad um good action solid action questionable politics um but it's in and out so quickly uh, that you never really have a chance to have your let your mind wander compared to some other uh, of these sort of globe trotting conspiracy military thrillers. I I was uh, impressed that they had the uh, the stones to cast Brett Gelman as a Russian assassin. Uh, Brett Gelman. That was who... Brett Gelman. Yeah. Yo. Uh, you know how I know him? I know him from another another period, the uh, Comedy Central show. I watched. I think I watched like the first season of another period, but he uh, he's in Fleabag. He's in Stranger Things. He's in. He's just in like mm-hmm. a, a, he's he's in he's like in the other guys. He says a it's, it's a very 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 comedy heavy IMDb if you go look at it. So I it was very inspired casting, and I I think he I, I think he I think he pulled off what they asked him to do pretty well. So I kind of I was like okay, well that's that's something that's an interesting choice you guys made. So uh, good for you. And uh, 
you know, and but now now even thinking back to his scene though, and again, I think it's pretty well acted. I I kind of get what you're saying, where like a, a lot of his speech was just like talking to John about how they were pawns. And how, you know, like, we don't even really have any agency in this. It's just all these other guys above us. And it's like, all right, yeah, I guess it is kind of like trying to, like, you know, make you really sympathetic for them at the expense of, like... And then at the end, and then at the end, what happens? He experiences all this, John Kelly, I mean, he experiences all this bullshit at the hands of these higher-up people. And the ultimate lesson at the end of the film, at the very end, is not this sort of meddling in international affairs and in sovereign nations and such for the you know, supremacy of American, you know, uh, 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 dominance of the global sphere. It's not that all of that is wrong. It's that the wrong people are running it. Michael B. Jordan's ultimate solution is to spend more money on the military, but have a special unit that he runs. Now, don't get me wrong. Again, I want, (laughs) I need that in my life. You want it, you want it, you want it in spite of your personal politics. Absolutely. I am a progressive. I am a leftist up until I walk into that movie theater. <laughs> After that, I don't care. Give me the big muscle guy shooting at people. Like, I want it. Fair enough. So I think it's interesting. I think that's almost like an interesting jumping on point, given that in, in how we've been talking about Taylor Sheridan to, I mean, go to those who wish me dead because, you know, uh, I think you were just like, all right, I, as long as we can marry some of Taylor Sheridan's sensibilities with this other source material that you're more inclined to like, maybe you'll kind of get along with him. You'll be able to tolerate his work anyway. And so mm. here, though, he's in more complete total creative control with Those Who Wish Me Dead. It is adapted from a book, but still, it's not like, you know— Wind River was also, right? Right, but at the same time, like he, he's not like working from as much of a universe as he maybe is in the in the Tom Clancy stuff. Um, and S- Sicario was like his first thing. It was you know it was before. Uh, again, I know you don't li- you didn't like that one, but at the same time, it was like before he probably had as much clout as he does now, and he's like a much bigger player in right. the film industry now. Here, it's like he, I think he probably has like way more creative control. He's a producer on Those Who Wish Me Dead. He's the director. He's the writer, along with a couple other guys, I guess, um, including including the, the author of the, the book Those Who Wish Me Dead, Michael Cor- Corita. So he has uh, probably more say in a lot of what's going on here. Uh, and I'm thinking, oh, well, maybe it's just going to like kind of be Taylor Sheridan going full Taylor Sheridan in a way that doesn't work for Daniel. Uh, I should say, uh, Those Who Wish Me Dead is uh, – it, it's a movie that is like actually kind of sprawling in its story even if it kind of collapses on itself. And I don't, I don't mean that pejoratively. I just mean it, it, it kind of comes to a head in, some, in a very confined space even if it kind of starts out even taking place in Florida uh, where – well, first we kind of see uh, Hannah, a character played by Angelina Jolie who's – you know, having visions of her time as like a, a smoke jumper firefighter, me, meaning someone that, you know, jumps out of planes to jump into forest fires, to help get them under control and rescue people. And she had an experience where she couldn't save some little kids who were caught in a forest fire. And that haunts her because she kind of failed a psyche vow after going through an incident like that. She's now been assigned to like be the person in a fire lookout tower as opposed to being one of the actual jumpers from planes who has to go and, you know, just call it in if she sees a fire somewhere in these Montana forests. Uh, but then we're in Florida. First of all, we're in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, which, fine. And we see these guys played by Aiden Gillen and 
Nicholas Holt uh, pretend to be uh, some gas technicians and uh, tell someone that they need to like fix something because they got a bad reading. Then they just blow up this house. We find out belongs to like a district attorney or a state attorney down in Fort Lauderdale. Then we're in Jacksonville and like the most ridiculous exterior shot I've seen in about the. Th- I knew you'd have something to say. In about the three weeks since we saw Godzilla versus Kong try and pass Hawaii off as my hometown of Pensacola, Florida. Now they're basically passing Miami off as Jacksonville because it just does not look like Jacksonville at all. But they tell us we're in Jacksonville, so I guess mm-hmm. we're in Jacksonville. And we're in, and, and then so at that point we are in the home of a uh, a forensic accountant whose name is Owen Cassidy, who I guess was working with this uh, state attorney, you know district attorney guy whose house got blown up and he's like oh shit i found something i shouldn't have found so these guys that killed them are going to come kill me and my son his son's uh his son's name is uh his son's name is connor played by an actor named finn little and he and they're like all right we need to go on the run we're gonna go hang out with my brother-in-law uh played by uh taylor sheridan favorite john berthal his name is ethan we're gonna go hang out with him he's a sheriff in montana he'll keep us safe so off they go to Montana, and Ethan, the sheriff, played by John Bernthal, his ex-girlfriend is Hannah, who we already talked about, played by Angelina Jolie. So everything's kind of connected when they get up there to Montana. Uh, Ethan, Ethan's wife is played by uh, an actress named uh, Medina Sanghor, and she's also very pregnant in the movie. Uh, uh, the actor, the, the 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 character is pregnant, not the actress, and uh, yeah. So there's just a lot of moving parts as these guys, the, these assassins, uh, then try and track them down in Montana, and uh, because apparently. These assassins are hired by someone that's very powerful that we'll talk about in a little while because whatever financial impropriety uh, Owen Casterly found is just so bad that like anyone that knows about it has to be killed. Uh, they get to uh, – th- these assassins kind of set up on the side of the road in Montana because they f- find out through the guy's house once they search it in Jacksonville that, oh, he, he has this connection to Montana. We'll go find him there. Somehow set up shop on a road that they know he's going to have to drive down. And then they take a shot at him when he's driving through with the sun. They run off the side of the road. Uh, Owen gets killed, but not before he get, get helps uh, Connor escape, hands him a piece of paper that has some evidence on it, tells him to run. And, of course, he ends up uh, wandering into the woods and finding Angelina Jolie. I, I, you know, that was a big setup, Daniel, but I think, you know, fine. It's f- fairly efficient in getting to that point, and then it's a pretty narrow story. And, you know, while I, I just think... I kind of had a feeling after I saw it, because I saw it before you, I kind of had a feeling you might like it more than some of the other Taylor Sheridan stuff, because it is so it is so focused, and I don't think it's necessarily trying to say a ton about the world. It's just going to try and entertain you. Uh, and I know, I know you ended up liking it maybe more than the other stuff. What is, am, am I, am I kind of onto something there with why you might have liked it more? Yeah, I did end up liking this more than most of his other stuff. Yeah. I mean, almost, I almost, I almost liked it. Um, not quite there yet. I think it's okay. I think it's decent. Um, and in large part, I think that it is because, uh, what you just said, there's not, it's not, he's not trying. He doesn't have any pretensions here. He's not fooling himself. I say pretensions. Look, every filmmaker, every artist in the world has pretensions. Every single person who decides to, you know, put pen to paper, you know, has an idea of what they want to do. And that is a pretension, you know, what he has is more specifically delusions of grandeur. He thinks that he is a visionary filmmaker or screenwriter, in my opinion, uh, when he is, you know, he just should be making trashy shit for, you know. I, I wouldn't even disagree that he thinks he's like a guy that has like, uh, that has his pulse on like the, the American frontier. 
Yeah. Because he uh, also does Yellowstone, which is apparently a huge show that I've never watched. <laughs> yeah, it's Paramount Network. Who gives a shit? Yeah. But um, yeah, no, he, I don't think that he really does have the spark that he thinks he does. Um, now, I, even though I did just say that I like it, I think before anything else, I do have to say that um, that's, you know, you pointed out that that setup took a long time for you to just say that's I felt I think that might have been like half the movie. And that's not. That's not that's not me dissing you. That's me dissing this movie. No, I don't Most think I don't think it actually took I don't think it took that long for them to get to Montana actually in runtime. Well, it feels like forever. Okay, it, it, if if it felt like that to you, it felt like that to you. It just didn't actually feel like that to me. I just felt like I was being long-winded just now. Oh, no, 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 no. I that was the experience of watching it. Like it, okay. it takes so much in order to get you to that point where like uh what's your name is do you like you know? We learned that Angelina Jolie's character. I guess. I mean, I, are we throwing spoilers into the wind here? Um. Because honestly, they kind of they kind of spoil this pretty quickly too. I yeah. don't even know whether it's supposed to be a secret or not. I don't know how important this is to the character or not. Um. We well, you know, well we, screw we, it. Yeah. I mean, if you want to spoil something, spoil something. I mean, we already kind of gave the setup for the movie, and look, people know these assassins are going to chase these people around, and there's going to be a forest fire because we well, talked yes, about some firefighters. But so. It turns out that like her trauma is that like not too long ago she was in charge of a forest fire that burned out of control. Some some people in her team died, and some kids died. No, I, I already said that. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, yeah, and <laughs> like clearly, her she is supposed to be bonding with this kid in order for her to get over her trauma. I think that's what's being attempted, but because it takes so long to get them together. And then after that, there's this whole other sprawling story where like, there's also this conspiracy and there's also these, these killers who have their own bull crap and they're trying to deal with the sheriff and his wife. And those two have their own relationship, even though it's a very, it's a fairly small cast. Mm-hmm. Um, it feels far more sprawling than it perhaps ought to. And so, I, you know, it loses focus, the the emotional connection between uh, uh, Angelina Jolie and this kid, Finn. Um, you know, and it, I, I know that feels like a bit of a silly, you know, uh, complaint to have about like, a you know, an action movie such as this. But okay. th- what I mean to say is that there's very little emotional connection to the story and the story itself. For me it just the pacing feels a little bit off it takes a little bit long to get set up and get going um and i don't really get a really good sense of any of these characters or at least i don't really care too much okay so what what, what did you what, what do you like about it then it's quick it's <laughs> you know what i mean like the, 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 the biggest like, thing you liked about it is that you didn't have to like you didn't have to watch it for that long <laughs> well i mean like i do sort of appreciate the fact that this is a movie with you know very little pretensions and uh, ambitions about what it's going to say about the larger society and this and that it is a fairly and at least in runtime a sort of lean uh kind of 90s action movie in in many ways similar to without remorse although i think that one pulls it off more successfully in part because there's a more accomplished director at the helm you know like it, it, it at the end of the day this is a a man versus or woman versus nature storyline in men, i believe that it probably would have been more effective had they stuck with either that sort of man versus nature narrative or the man versus man narrative rather than try to combine the two in the sort of frankenstein's monster 
um, which would be man versus nature and man versus man, I suppose. But yes, um, I, I think I, I do sort of appreciate the throwback feel of the movie. I just think that it kind of falters in execution. Okay, you threw you threw a lot out there. So what I'll first say is that I actually did have that thought about her bonding with the kid. Like I, I did, I, I I didn't. It did not strike me as taking being too belabored and getting to Montana, though. I don't blame anyone for thinking that. And I also don't blame you for feeling like, you know, maybe they tried to tell you there was more there than there actually was with the kid. But what I will say with her and the kid, mm-hmm. uh, what, what I'll say though, is that I, man, I just think Angelina Jolie is like incredibly watchable in this. And, you know, it's funny. You made the comment earlier about him not being able to write women, not going to argue with you on that either. Uh, the, the thing that this has in common with like Sicario and Emily Blunt is that I'm pretty sure both these characters were probably originally conceived of as male men and they just changed them to female actresses that could like handle the action. And I think they both did fine. And, you know, I was even thinking like, I don't know if there's a lot to this character on the page that she's playing, you know, we're, 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 we're told like, we're kind of, we are shown some things and not just told things with her kind of acting out and being a little bit of a drunk and parachuting off the back of pickup trucks and stuff like that at the beginning, they're trying to give us a sense of how she's a little bit of a, uh, 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 might have a bit of a screw loose or might just be, you know, a, a, a bit of a wild card and fine. But I, I, I don't know if there's, that doesn't, that doesn't really tell me a lot about who she is necessarily. It tells me that she's kind of damaged and okay, fine. But you'd really do need to buy it with her and the kid. And I don't know, I, I, w- I was kind of there for it. And I thought she was very charming with the kid. Even if I was having the thought I was watching as I was watching is like, they have not actually had that much time together they've talked in this tower for a little bit they've walked around a little bit he saw her got struck, struck by lightning and then he kind of, and then he was worried about her but i just I, I i liked her chemistry with that kid and i was i so i i just enjoyed spending time with them and it was fine and you know that side of the movie i guess was just entertaining enough for me because i just like found it really impressive and i and i was thinking i was like the one the one thing that she's been in in like the last 15 years that i probably should have seen was salt and i've never seen salt I don't know if you have feelings about that movie. If you've seen it, I haven't seen it. I haven't seen it. Oh, the I, only, I think, the only Angelina Jolie movie I have seen is Maleficent. You, you, I mean, I'm guessing you might have seen Mr. and Mrs. Smith back in the day. No, nope, nope, missed that one. Oh, okay. Well, I mean, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure it's just Maleficent. Okay, so I mean, I guess I saw like, I mean, I maybe I'd seen more of her older stuff, but like, I I realized I hadn't seen as much of her movies as I thought I had, and I had not seen one in theaters since 2006. Six is The Good Shepherd. Uh, Robert De Niro directed movie about the CIA and stuff like that that also had Matt Damon uh, and then before that and Mr. and Mrs. Smith came out in 2005 so I hadn't seen an Angelina Jolie movie in theaters in 15 years and I mean I just I, I really enjoyed watching her in this and I also enjoyed um, and the other the other thing I also really enjoyed was I liked the the Bernthal was whatever and I really liked John Bernthal but there there really wasn't that much of that character which is fine I I you know I I mean we talked about him we talked about how we just talked about a movie that glorified cops I did not need one that or that we just talked about a movie that glorified troops I did not need one about glorifying a cop and he's the one cop in this movie it's like I feel like you know uh, firefighters are a more uh, safer public uh, uh, public servant to like you know glorify if you want to glorify someone more so than cops i guess and uh and so like i was like all right i don't need to spend much time with him but his wife was kind of a badass which i was i thought was kind of fun and i enjoyed her i enjoyed her in the action and i actually kind of enjoyed nicholas holt and aiden gillen just like being like soulless killers and but at the same time mustachio twirling like honestly i am kind of with you there i do think that the 
performances here do a ton of heavy lifting. That's fair. It's you know it's not like a most like complex, intricately plotted, uh, in- incredibly well drawn characters. I-, I I will give you that. E- even as someone that likes Taro Sheridan more than you, but you know, again, he doesn't get he doesn't get in his own way with anything. I, I-, I you know, right. e- even though I enjoy his other things more than you, you know, the- his detractors aren't going to be able to say he like got in over his head with trying to like you know do too much or anything like that and he lets these people do their thing and i think he can also is capable of shooting some fairly you know intense action scenes even if in your opinion it probably took too long to get there i wouldn't even agree with the action scenes i think that it's serviceable i would say i mean if well if i would call the without remorse action serviceable then i guess this is like passable um it's fine i guess but like there's there's i mean it's it's fine, I guess. Did it you, works did, within the context of the movie, but I'm never going to like look up anything from this movie uh, ever again. It's a very forgettable... The action is very forgettable, as is, I think, a decent amount of the movie itself. And, you know, I'm not, I'm not really saying that to be too, too disparaging. I like a forgettable action movie. I'd rather watch one of those than like an art house thing that ends up boring me to tears did or you, angry. Like, did did no you... Ever. Did you find yourself wanting to know more about the conspiracy that was like the genesis for all the action in this movie? No. Okay. No, I couldn't care less about the conspiracy. Um, it was definitely one of the weakest elements. See, no, uh, I kind of, I, I, I thought it was fine because I didn't need to know more, and I thought if they had tried to like do more, it would have felt like too much, maybe. You know, we just knew that there's some a powerful figure out there that wanted to like stop these people, and he yeah, had these hard guns. There's a whole. There's this whole scene with, uh, with like Tyler Perry, uh, who did produce the movie. I want to point out he did. Um, yeah. Oh. Who, if 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 anyone's wondering why is Tyler Perry in this movie, that's why. Oh, he's and, not. He's uh, not listed on uh, Wikipedia as a producer. Is he? Is he on IMDb? Is that where you're seeing that? Oh, I just saw it on. Uh, I just saw it on uh, on Wikipedia that it said that he was on board as a producer. Oh, okay. Whatever. Yeah, but, did, but uh, one thing I missed I maybe maybe at one point maybe at one point he was listed as a producer okay. or something. I don't know. Well, no, no, maybe, you know that that is in the Wikipedia. It just it was it was in like the production section of the Wikipedia, not the little info box on the right side. Um, oh, okay. But you know, it was interesting. I, I I missed it until I was listening to a podcast about it later on. There is one scene where he's talking to the Aiden Gillen character about what they need to do at all costs, and yeah, go murder that kid because this is that important that we don't know what that is, and then. He, the, 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 he he goes off in a Cadillac that has U.S. government plates. Did you catch that? Uh, no, I didn't. So uh, I also don't care, but I also don't care. Okay, man, you really just don't care about this movie. <laughs> I thought yeah. I was I thought I thought I was gonna get you to be a little more excited about it. Uh, yeah, I mean, no. yeah, not 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 particularly. Um, I hate to say it. I mean, and and yet I do want to point out that this is by far like. <laughs> I think my favorite of his, I mean, outside of uh, without remorse, I think it's by far like my favorite of his things. Um, but yeah, uh, it's, I, I appreciate the fact that it gets in and gets out pretty much. Uh, it's lean. Uh, it doesn't take a whole lot of time spilling out its world. It kind of relies pretty, leans pretty heavily on its performers. Um, passable enough action i wish they had done more with fire to be honest with you i was gonna ask what you thought about it visually from in that regard um well i'm i know that cg flames are pretty hard to do i'm not a huge like expert on visual effects i just know that fire is something that's very hard 
to emulate in a renderer. And uh, this movie has like a $7 million budget, you know? Um, it was never going to be like too, too impressive. That being said, I mean, I mean, it's supposed to supposed to be capturing like this whole forest on fire and such. I don't know. It just never really felt very hot. I mean, hell, um, I know it's a weird thing to say, but hell, you feel summer when you watch something like do the right thing, right? Oh, yeah. You feel the heat when you watch something like that. I, I was never, I never felt in danger watching the fire certainly not toward the end where they're literally outrunning this huge firestorm that seems to be literally chasing them almost like it's like the almost like it's the lightning cloud from james and the giant peach <laughs> you know it's 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 silly um but it never and i appreciate a bit of silliness but it just you know it's not very uh dynamic in the way that i think you would need something like this to be at the very least you could have just had more people being lit on fire I, I thought i thought the fire was pretty good but i i thought the lightning looked pretty silly when there was that scene where they had to run away from lightning and i was like i i, I don't know that I, I and i get it, it's probably even harder to like in some ways to like i don't know maybe it shouldn't be harder to recreate convincing yeah i'm pretty sure like, that lightning is easier to do yeah probably i guess but it was just like you run ahead and then i'll tell you when to stop as it's like they can easily hear him when there's like a massive firestorm and lightning storm going on. And then I'll tell you to stop and then I'll run ahead of you. And I was like, I don't really get what's going on here. And it looks kind of funny and whatever. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I was, I was kind of scared by the fire, but, um, I, 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 I don't disagree that like they were able to do other things with the cinematography and something like do the right thing to make you feel the heat more though. I think it's only supposed to be hot because of the fire. They're not in a hot terrain or anything like that necessarily. I think it's cold when the fire is not going. Also, I, 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 I'm not sure if like those, those hitmen were very efficient though. Like I, it was very kind of like, it was kind of like, oh, we need to have a fire because this movie's kind of about firefighters, so let's make them start a fire. Though it wasn't very clear how they thought that was going to go, even and, they, and one of them ends up getting killed by the fire. It was very silly for otherwise very, very kind of actually smart hit, hit, hitmen. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, okay, well th- that'll wrap it up for those who wish me dead. I think I'd recommend it, and Daniel would, is kind of neutral on it. Fair to say. Um, yeah, I mean, watch it. I mean, there are worse things that you could do on a Sunday afternoon. I don't know. You could watch Hamilton. You should go. <laughs> You should go support your theaters, though. It is available on HBO Max. Go support your theaters if you got your vaccine. Okay, now we'll go to Wrath the Man, Daniel, uh, which I think you're probably a little more excited to talk about because you told me it was like maybe your favorite movie since Cats, which is high praise if anyone uh, listened to our top 10 episode that we recorded in 2020 because uh, Daniel, that was Daniel's number one movie of the year, and it almost caused me to not put out a top 10 episode because it almost made Cats break the composite top 10, and I would not have done that. Uh, so that tells you just how much Daniel liked Wrath the Man. Wrath the Man is the newest movie from uh, writer-director Guy Ritchie. Uh, it is uh, It stars Jason Statham as a, a guy who, at least as we are shown at the beginning, goes to work at this place called Fortico Security, an armored truck company that just uh, transports massive loads of cash all around Los Angeles. It's kind of weird, this company, because it seems like they're just like a big frat house where these guys hang out and they uh, are kind of like skeptical of the new guy, but that's kind of what it is. He's kind of taken in by like one of the head security guys named nicknamed Bullet, who's played by Holt McElhaney, who you might know from Mindhunter on Netflix. And uh, he just, you know, he's taken around. He, one day, like they're, at, one day they're out and on one of these jobs transporting a bunch of cash. And one, one day they're out to, transporting a bunch of cash bullets taken hostage and they demand all the money on the truck and uh h uh just ends up taking everyone out 
and it's like okay this uh that was pretty bold of him because he's also uh driving around with a guy play, named uh played by josh hartnett who is kind of sketchy throughout a lot of it his name is like dave and the, that guy shits his pants and everyone's like oh wow this jason Statham guy h is very badass uh, another time they're about to get robbed and uh he opens the door to the truck and the guys just run away so they're like what's going on with this guy and then we end up kind of going on a whole journey to kind of get his whole backstory and how he's decided he's gonna you know who this guy is and why he's so dangerous and uh we find out more about him and uh that he uh h is actually a, a kind of his own uh, the boss of his own crime syndicate that was trying to rip off armored trucks and in the process of scoping them out one day uh someone else pulled a job and uh killed cops that were there as well as h's son who he left in a car nearby and now he's had to go on a mission and that's brought him here to infiltrate this place and uh, investigate how he can come across the people that are actually are responsible for killing his son you know it was funny we talked about action earlier daniel and how maybe sometimes uh in to, to our to this movie's credit it, it mostly takes place in the light which i mean it's a very silly thing but i think i'm coming to just appreciate action movies that take place in the daytime uh even more uh and a, a lot of this movie does but aside from that it's, it's largely like a shootout movie there's like some hand-to-hand in combat but it's like you know it's largely a shootout which i think we talked about that like you know that's its own kind of action and you know maybe a lot of your favorite action movies maybe aren't that so uh, not not that you don't appreciate stuff that has shootouts, but maybe the stuff that maybe does it for you even more is like well shot hand to hand combat and maybe some weaponry mixed in. And this is a movie that's like it's a lot of guns and a lot of guys that are just being guys, and I I mean that with like a capital G. And you know they're they're off and they're fighting and they're gonna shoot each other because they're gonna fight over big armored trucks full of cash. So uh, I guess my question for you is. I was going to say, we talked about Nobody, which, I mean, which a movie that you love, so you're not, it's so, it's so insult to that when you say this is your favorite movie since Cats. But the fact is, like, it's not the most intricate action, I guess is what I'll say, even if, like, it, it, it does what it wants to do very well, I think I would agree, with regard to its action. So what specifically about it, whether it be the action, whether it be the performances, whether it be the storytelling, what about this movie just, like, made you come out of it on such a high? Well, first off, yes. And then secondly, I should specify, though, that I think you're looking at it a bit of the wrong way when you're watching this as an action movie. Well, at least okay. as only an action movie or primarily one. Um, you know, this is a movie from Guy Ritchie, who is known for his, you know, um, British gangster stuff. You know, he's a man who grew up, who, you know, started his career in like the late 90s, uh, seen as like a kind of Tarantino clone, as there were many at the time. But as, you know, film marches on and as trends, you know, give birth and die uh a lot of this these sort of tarantino clones you know who make these sort of like really broy movies with like very intricate um dialogue and they're playing around with the narrative structure a lot and a lot of these sorts of movies kind of fell to the wayside um which leaves guy Ritchie, you know as a man who went from being kind of a clone of another filmmaker into kind of his own brand himself uh his last movie, The Gentleman, I thought was actually quite fun. Uh, probably my favorite of his, even though nothing I've seen from him had ever been more than just, it's good. Gentleman is fine. I, I think I like Man from Uncle better. Yeah, and that was another one that I was like, I think the last like 20, 30 minutes, they, they it decided to actually have a plot. And that kind of tanked it for me. But um, it was generally a very fun, polished movie. Um, so and how, this, how, how should I be looking at Wrath of Man, though, if, it's not, if, if not as an action movie? Is, I should be looking at it as a Guy Ritchie movie? If, or, in a way, yes. That entails? I think that what you should see it as, I think the correct way to appreciate it is as the modern equivalent of a 70s, low-budget, 
grindhouse crime flick. See, a lot of people, th- a lot of people th- threw out Heat as a reference point, though, which is you know is is nineties yeah, and not not necessarily people, low budget, but a lot of people throw out Heat. I would argue that the more, the closer, the better comparison, if you're looking at Michael Mann, would be Thief. Um, I've never which, seen Thief. Well, Thief is, uh, you know, Frank. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, Frank. James Caan is like a, like a safe cracker, and there's it's the same sort of thing where there's like this underground world where he's kind of navigating around. He's a professional, and he gets tied up with like some darker figures, and it becomes this whole uh, this whole you know production. So here's the thing: when I look at a genre filmmaker, or a, a director who works in genre film, someone like Spielberg or Michael Mann, or let's say, um, oh man, what's his name, Melville, uh, the you know the '60s French director. When these directors go approach like a genre film, they normally find a way to uplift it somehow, to class it up a bit, uh, make it respectable. Um, Michael Mann focused very much on the process of these people, the mindset of these professional men. That's what always appealed to him. That's why he keeps remaking the same goddamn movie every five years since Mm -hmm. like the 80s. Um, I'm not a huge Michael Mann fan, to be honest with you. Uh, You know, Steven Spielberg, you see something like Jaws or any of his uh, sci-fi movies. And these are all sort of like, of course, he's keying into like 50s B movies and like, you know, uh, monster movies. But, you know, he's trying to approach it from like a uh, more sentimental perspective. He's trying to get into the hearts of these people who are experiencing these extraordinary circumstances. Uh, you look at Melville, and he's very much like a very cold filmmaker, very, at least I would call him, a very cold filmmaker in many ways, similar to Michael Mann, very focused on the process and this and that. But where Guy Ritchie, Guy Ritchie, he just likes the crime. He <laughs> likes the crime. He likes the grit. He likes the dirt and the filth. And I think that this movie is sort of a modern, you know, uh, recreation of these sorts of movies uh i i would be more willing to compare it to something like gordon's war this uh 1970s black exploitation movie than i would like something like heat which is so uh you know it turns like an epic tale it turns the the you know these uh just these criminals these bank robbers into this this broad epic that's like crossing over divides and society and class and such no 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 guy richie doesn't care he just wants <laughs> jason satham Killing, like killing, uh, uh, Post Malone by saying, "Suck your own dick." That's what he wants. <laughs> do you think? He's, do you think? So you don't think he's trying to make a statement about how we treat our troops when they come home from war? You know what? I don't think it crossed his mind. Okay, I don't think it crossed his mind. <laughs> Honestly, I what I love about Rathman is that it's very much a hard-boiled uh, crime flick. This the kind of thing that you don't really get see made these days. Um, it's Guy Ritchie approaching it with, even though, you know, he gets into the filth of it, he's playing around with the format. This is his most accomplished movie to date, in my opinion. Like, a lot of the movies that I've seen from him are very, very raw. They're very, very inelegant. There's always going to be, the movie's going to drag at one point or another. This one, it in, 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 uh, in visual form, He's, I mean, at his peak, he's moving the camera around so dynamically. Um, he's pulling off all these nice-looking shots, which, of course, there's no hidden meaning. It just looks cool. Uh, 
he's playing around with the narrative structure. I was gonna ask, I was gonna ask you about that because I was kind of mixed on that, and I don't I didn't know if it really added to the experience for me. And do you think it, he actually used that those narrative tricks effectively? Well, I I would argue that he did. There's a part of me that does understand where somebody might say this adds very little to the movie. Honestly, where I come down is this could have been a straightforward um, revenge thriller sort of movie would take place in a very neatly chronological order. But honestly, I, I hate to do this to recommend another movie while we're talking, but God damn it. Avengement, man. Avengement is very similar in the sense that it's a throwback to in that case. Oh yeah, it 70s, is. I, yeah. I, I, very I specifically seventies yeah. gritty British gangster movies. And like they're, it's, you know, it's playing with the format too. It's telling this non-chronological story in a way that honestly it doesn't i don't know that it itself makes the movie better but it certainly makes it a little more it adds a little something it adds a little bit of spice it makes things a little less rote and unpredictable in the case of that movie you get like the 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 the, the nice feature of allowing uh uh scott adkins to fester in his like hard-boiled gangster mindset for a little bit in wrath of man i think it does neatly break up the film in a way that makes what could have been a very dry movie, a very rote kind of thriller, similar to the two movies that we just discussed from Taylor Sheridan. <laughs> it turns it into something a little more without crossing into that. I'm trying to class up this movie territory. That first part of the movie, it's a very classic, like, you know, a uh, badass man with no name sort of thing and then you get into that middle section where it's like a it gets into the grime and the dirt of this underworld it kind of pulls back the mask of not only jason statham's character but the world that he comes from i, uh, I guess it doesn't he doesn't try and class it up but he does try and like get a little self-serious i would say at times like at the beginning you say he like, gets a little mm, uh, you know, well, at the, look at the beginning like there's like that whole entire like you know, montage of visual graphics with like skulls and stuff coming on there, and then there's like the the different like uh, title cards to start each section of the movie that have like these like meaning messages and stuff like that. And it's like, all right, man, I get it. Like we're dealing with some heavy shit here at the same time, even if like a lot of us are coming for the action. I would argue that it is firmly, t- well, maybe not firmly tongue in cheek, but I would say that it is more tongue in cheek than something like Kurt Sutter, where you know, or even like uh, what's his name. The guy who just did a cut, Snyder. I believe that here it is very much a, you know, he's just marinating in the uh, uh, machoism, marinating in the uh, the dirt and the grit. Um, I don't believe that it is a, you have to take this movie seriously. It would be very hard to take a movie seriously with some of the dialogue that's in here. Um, He's the first, he's the only man I know who married the first woman he fucked. Like, I mean, it, it... it's and I should note that the dialogue is it's it's not great, um, but it's not great in a very particular way. Just the fact that, you know, he has this uh, this polish to it. Uh, I mean, compared to other films that he's done, he has this visual polish polish to it. He's approaching it, this storytelling in this kind of dynamic way. And he still clings to this like not very 90s kid fresh off the block writing style it it's an incongruency that i think makes the film even richer you know there's a world where this movie fails on that front for me it doesn't i think that it just 
adds to the experience. Okay. Uh, did you call who the mole was going to be as soon as they absolutely. said there was a mole? Oh, yeah, okay. absolutely. Okay. Yeah, it's, ob- it's pretty fucking obvious. Okay. You know? uh, I, 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 I don't know if I dock it too many points for that. I just don't think it was the oh shit moment they think, I think they wanted me to have it be, you know? Yeah, absolutely not. I, I don't know how much they wanted it to be, but I mean, the fact that I think it this is where the fact that it does, for me at least, feel like such a throwback to a lot of these sorts of movies that I do genuinely love. Um, I'm willing to accept it as just part of the course. It's it's what you want. Um, it reminds me of you know in uh, uh, Avengement where like there's a scene toward the beginning where Scott Atkins get into an elevator and then he gets off the elevator and everyone's beaten up and you're like man I wish I could have seen that and then it turns out like an hour into the movie you get to see that mm-hmm. you know it's exactly what you'd expect. There's no surprises here, but it's just so goddamn fun. It's so well accomplished. They do it, pull it off so well that, you know, I can't help but be in awe. Did you, I mean, it sounds like you liked Statham plenty in this movie, and I guess you're probably overall a pretty big fan of his. Did you want to highlight anything else about his performance or just any of the other performances in this movie? Because I mean, there's a fairly deep bench of actors that we've seen before. Yeah, um, Jason Statham himself, you know, he's doing his Jason Statham thing. I actually watched, I, I watched this movie twice over the past week. And uh, I watched the second time with friends. Um, and there was a bit of a divide between whether Statham was good or bad in this movie. Look, personally... Statham? I, like, how is there that much of a debate? It's like, he can do Jason Statham very well. Exactly. I think that it's silly for you to complain about an actor doing the same thing that they do in every movie if they do it well. You know, he's Jason Statham. And I think that, I think actually the structure of the film sort of helps give add a little bit more to his character than it would have just relying on his performance alone simply because his performance is so typical um i like all his broy co-workers they really do do a lot go a long way selling the very boyish dialogue i really um, like josh hartnett like who is a guy that i haven't seen do a ton of stuff recently boy sweat dave yeah, I, you know, I, I called him Dave earlier because I saw Boy Sweat on there, and I couldn't remember if they were actually calling him that that much. He called him. They called. They constant. They never called him Dave. He was only oh. Boy Sweat. Was Boy Sweat. Oh, okay, I guess oh. I, I guess I just forgot that. Uh, he hasn't done a lot of stuff in recent years that I've oh, seen. Oh, that's who Josh Hartnett is. He's the he's the dude from Penny Dreadful for me. Okay, I never watched Penny Dreadful, uh, and so it's like I like he was I, I I basically I guess I know him as the guy from like. Pearl Harbor and The Virgin Suicides, and he's a great in The Virgin Suicides, and I guess Pearl Harbor is probably not that good of a movie. And he's in Black Hawk Down, but I just haven't seen Black Hawk Down in like twenty years. I just never, I just never rewatched it. I need to do that actually. So yeah, I was just like, I, I enjoyed him, like knowing, thinking of him in general as like a guy that's just like the big, strapping, impressive guy, and this guy's actually really not all that impressive. And I also really like Scott Eastwood in this, and you know, he, enough, one of my friends said that he was terrible in this movie, and I was like, I don't, I don't even think that i think that he was really good as like a mustachio twirling right and he's not usually mustachio twirling he's normally like the clean cut you know secret agent type like he is in like uh uh fast eight or whatever or mm-hmm. uh fuck i i should i should have fate my of the furious f- fate of the furious yeah you know he's just like that and like they make fun of him some in that movie and it's whatever and i'm and i i just think of him as like the guy that looks like he looks in that movie and they just make him look a little dirtier and grittier in this and i was like oh wow that guy really is kind of like a piece of shit and i meant that as a compliment mm-hmm. i will say that that whole crew of actors you know you have jeffrey donovan the guy from burn notice mm-hmm. you have i don't know the name of the actor but you have mother's milk from, yeah uh, Las alonso 
Yeah. Um, you have all these, you know, big buff guys. And then you get like that. Um, that's, that's where the heat comparisons come in, that part of the movie. And I think it's well, I mean, again, I think that the for the movie as a whole, I think Thief is a better comparison piece. But I do like that whole section. Um, I like that interplay of that crew. Um, I think a lot of movies would have just, you know, not given too much focus on the actual, like, you know, that actual ensemble. But I like that they are somewhat, well, humanized might be too strong a word, but they get in a little bit on their motivations more than you might expect. And yeah. I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, I, I was kind of being facetious earlier when I made the joke about, you know, uh, troops coming back and not being treated all that well, but it's, I, I don't know. It's I, there. I, yeah, it's there. It is there a little bit. Yeah, but I, and, and I, I just kind of enjoyed hanging out with them and whatever. And um, like, I, it was just like, okay, well, you know, this kind of makes sense that this would be how how wires could have gotten crossed, and this is how H's son could have gotten killed. There, that there's just someone else out there that has their own set of motivations, and it makes plenty of sense. It, it probably makes sense that they would have at least one idiot within the crew that would screw things up. And yeah, it's just like I, I you know, I, I I felt like I positioned myself as maybe being the one to be a little more negative about it because I knew you were so positive about it. But I, I should say, like I, I totally enjoyed sitting through this. It was more just that, like I, I don't think I. I, I I don't think I liked it in such a way that I could really like you know articulate it like you did, where because I did, I wasn't that passionate about it. It was like this is it's a fun sit. I don't know if I needed this structure, and I but it was just you know I enjoyed watching the, these actors, and it was the the action was suspenseful enough, and you know it was fun enough to watch these shootouts, even if it's not the most intricately choreographed action ever. It was still pretty fun especially the last sequence when they're shooting out at fortico like it, there's a lot going on it's pretty chaotic but not in a way that's like too that disorienting does, i will say that it does help that um in that case i like a like you know i like a i do it's not that i dislike gunfights necessarily but um in the to compare it with um without remorse where you know it's michael b jordan um and jody turner smith and i forgot his name but the guy who plays ritter uh, facing off a bunch of mooks, you know, where you don't even really know who these people are or anything like that. It's, you know, taking place in dark hallways versus, um, you know, in a, in this film where, you yeah, know, yeah. every character who's in that shootout has a name. Yeah. Uh, it, every single person I, I, has a name. I wasn't necessarily uh, able to like place all of them at the same time, you know, because there's a lot of characters between all the different crews that are at play here between, the Fortico people and the people in the uh, the, the the people in the, with the, the the group of troops that are raiding it or whatever, but like I at least kind of felt like every time someone did go down, that they're at least somewhat of a player, and I knew it, it meant something because I had seen that person do something at that point, even if I couldn't necessarily place every single guy by name. Yeah, um, I think that this is one of those things that like you know, there's an element of action that people forget, which is you know it's still you're still trying to tell a story. Um, and deficiencies in one area are going to affect another area. I think here they do enough to establish who these people are, even if it's, you know, it's a little hard to, you know, you don't know the name of, you know, Post Malone, but that, <laughs> he has a lot of character in this film. And that means that when he's shooting out against him, when he's chasing him down, um, you do feel a little bit of something because there's an investment there. I do think that this is truly a masterpiece. <laughs> a masterpiece he finds an epic he he makes an he makes this a crime epic without resorting to i don't know classing this movie up in, in some way or classing up the material in some way 
He wants to make a gritty crime action film uh, with a seedy underworld, um, bank heists, uh, and Jason Statham looking cool. And again, I cannot stress this enough. He executes Post Malone right after say, telling him to suck his own dick. Um, this is what I want. This is exactly not not too classy. Not too classy. <laughs> All right. Well, that's Daniel's number one movie of 2021 so far. Safe to say, it's gonna be rough for any movie to top this. It's certainly better than anything I saw last year. Um, okay, let me ask you again. Actually, then before I, aside from a big picture question, I feel like I probably should because I always ask, and but like I feel like it's a more important question than usual. Is there anything else about this movie? that we haven't touched on yet that you want to talk about. Cause I feel like I, I, I maybe haven't given you enough room to like just sing its praises. If it's literally going to get that high a praise from you that it's, we're basically like two months into the movie year because of how things got pushed back. And you already think it's going to have trouble being like unseated from number one. Is there just anything else about this movie that we didn't touch on that you just think is great? I do think we got, we got over all of it. The fact of the matter is that, you know, this is not a three hour long epic, like heat or the Godfather. He did have, uh, I mean, I don't want to say low aspirations, but simple goals. Mm-hmm. Um, and he met them. Uh, Guy Ritchie met them. He really knocked it out the park. It announces him to me as a guy that I absolutely need to go and watch, at the very least, to see the films that managed to get him here to this point where he made what's going to be one of the best movies of the decade. Gotcha. Okay. I also can't wait for Five Eyes. Because he's that's the movie he's making later this year, I believe. Which uh, with I think he made it, he shot it simultaneously with this one. It's got Jason Statham and Josh Hartnett in that one too. Hmm, interesting. And Humphrey Plaza. Okay, well I'm there for that. Uh, okay, well that's that's Wrath of Man. It's it should still be in theaters by the time people listen to this. I, I definitely recommend seeing it. And Daniel most certainly does. Uh, Daniel, before we sign off, anything else you want to recommend to people, whether it be other reference points you have for some of these kind of movies we talked about, something else you've been watching, or anything else? Well, funnily enough, um, I have what I have been watching mostly. I've been watching the occasional movie, you know. Um, right after I saw Wrath of Man, I did. Uh, right after I rewatched Wrath of Man, I did go home and rewatch Avengement again. Absolutely brilliant. It's on Netflix. Scott Atkins, he kicks ass. He's cool as shit. Please watch it. But actually, what I've been watching is Banshee, mm. um, which was a Cinemax show that ran for, I think, four years in the mid 2010s. Um, that is very much, very, very much the kind of thing. It's pulling from the same influences as. Uh, Wrath of Man. Uh, it's pulling from like old grindhouse crime genre stuff. Uh, you know, it's very pulpy, very silly. Um, <laughs> it, it 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 asks you to take a lot of things on its face that are so absurd that you can't help but kind of take it seriously, but have fun with it at the same time. I don't know how to describe it. It is utterly watchable television like i'm transfixed every episode that comes on um right now i'm in season four where they take it a little more dour and i'm not enjoying it as much but um i think that if anybody would find something like wrath of man appealing then they'll definitely get something out of uh banshee that you can watch on hbo max all right good good recommendation i i i it's one i've always been kind of meaning to go back to and i should be making use of hbo max I'm going to recommend a different thing that just came out on HBO Max, and that's Hacks, 
which is the new comedy from the creators of Broad City that stars the great Gene Smart, who has had an incredible run the last few years between, you know, being on uh, Legion, Fargo Season 2, Watchmen, Mayor of Easttown right now on HBO, which is also great. Uh, but she plays in, you know, a, a, a late-in-her-career comedian that has been very successful working in Vegas but needs to uh, is convinced by her management to bring on a younger comedy writer to help spruce up her act when she might lose some of her show dates in Vegas. And it's about how these two interact. Only two episodes of – or by the time people listen to this, three, four episodes will come out i've only seen the first two and uh it's it's just really funny and i really great sense of place and gene smart is just a joy to watch as this older comedian who is just uh really hilarious and giving this younger person younger person a really hard time but also fun watching her interact with everything else in that world so highly recommend hacks i'm i don't have a lot of other movies to recommend because i haven't really watched a lot that i haven't already talked about or am going to be talking about on the podcast soon i did watch the original saw I hadn't watched any of the Saw movies before. We're going to have an episode next week coming out on Spiral. So uh, Saw is very good. That's, I think it's also actually available on HBO Max right now. Uh, so I recommend doing that if you want to at least like feel like you've seen something like I needed to because I had not seen any of the Saw movies. So uh, everyone, thanks for listening. Daniel, maybe you'll come back next month to talk about uh, Spirit Untamed or something like that. Or. Uh, <laughs> I mean, when does Dream Horse come out? Oh, I got that confused. I got them confused. Which which one is Dream Horse and what Spirit Untamed? Dream Horse is the one where it's, uh, it's a small town in Britain, okay. which is uh, which pools it, all its money together. You know, it's been degraded by like, you know, modern economics and such. And they pull together to buy a racehorse. And that racehorse goes and it wins. All right, I assume. I assume. I've only seen the trailer, but it seems like that kind of movie. I just, I just can't get a read on you and what horse movies you actually like connect to and which, which you don't. I look forward to watching Dream Horse and saying this is better than any Taylor Sheridan movie because I think it's going to be playing to the same sort of sensibilities and I think it's going to do it more successfully. Okay, so maybe we'll have Daniel come on and talk about Dream Horse, or maybe if I feel like getting really spicy with things, we'll invite Daniel for In the Heights. I don't know. Uh, so, uh, Look, please. I mean, I would be offended if I'm not there. Me, <laughs> you, and Adam, man. Um, I am rooting for that movie. I like John Chu. I like John Chu. I'm rooting for him. I'm going to put my earplugs in for the songs, but I'm going to watch the visuals and be impressed but beyond that there's actually next month i'm sorry to you know go and try to pitch my pitch the movies i want to talk about for your podcast but hitman's wife's bodyguard i'm so in for it i've never Um, seen the hitman's bodyguard it's solid it's one of those movie pass movies that you just you know what why not and then you go in and it's like pretty good um f9 a I'm doing F9, right? Yeah, it's, got you, it got to be you and you and Fred probably if we want to reconvene like we did for uh, uh, Hobbs and Shaw. Mm. And then you know, honestly, um, it's so. Oh, ooh, I didn't realize that in July they moved up the date. I think Snake Eyes. I don't. What's which one's that? The GI Joe movie. Oh, starring I, uh, starring Henry Golding. Honestly, I saw that there's a teaser trailer released. It looks like it's gonna be. I would put money on it being the better version of Shang Chi. Oh, geez. Okay. Well, that's another one because I think you'll be here for Shang-Chi anyway later this summer. So, uh, yeah. So some combination of those movies at some point you'll hear Daniel on again in the next couple months. So uh, thanks again to Daniel for joining. Thanks to everyone for listening. Coming up next, probably have an episode on Spiral with uh, our old friend Graham. So everyone stay tuned for that. We'll see you next time.